0: When it's dark, look on the bright side When it rains, wait on the sunshine Everybody likes getting them good vibes Cause everybody's got a heart on the inside We can take all the hard lessons that little love and turn them into blessings Don't complicate it, keep it simple Just work hard and be
1: nice to people Oh, just work hard Welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co hosts, Jackson Medikekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here
0: getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today's episode stars all time great Cardinal Cassie Lickman. Cassie discusses her current endeavors as a part of the nonprofit PathSports.org, her struggle with chronic leg pain since the age of nine years old. Her upbringing as a gym rat in San Diego. Her time as a multi-position athlete in a time of specialization, both at Stanford and the USA Gym. Her brief time as a coach in which she won a national championship with Stanford. And her reasoning for coming out of retirement to play for the new Athletes Unlimited Sports League. Check it out.
1: Just work hard and be nice to people, just work hard be nice to, so keep your eyes to the skies and your feet on
0: the ground. Hello. Hey. What's up, guys? Hey. What's happening? You know,
2: just hanging out in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Cassidy, this is Jackson. Jackson,
1: Cassidy. Jackson. Hey, Cassidy. Do, do you go by Cassidy or Cass? Either one. Either one, you don't mind? I don't mind. Cool. Well, nice to meet you. You too. What yeah. part of the world are you in right now?
2: I'm in San Diego.
1: Oh, sick. Hometown.
2: Hometown.
0: Very nice. Well, welcome to our podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: If just like a brief intro, cause I only gave you like a little glimpse of like what we're attempting to do. So essentially we just want people that like know who you are through your life's journeys and experiences and stories that you have to share with us. And We use volleyball as our main medium cause we're both volley dorks and we love hearing like how people are or who you are. And so we just want to give our audience a chance to like relate and understand like, oh, like this is just a normal person like us and these are the struggles that people go through. And yeah, so it's just, it's literally just us talking and we just ask you questions and you tell us about how great you are and we just keep going.
2: That sounds
0: good, I can do that. (laughs) Well, let's start with how how exactly did you get into volleyball? You're from Poway? I'm
2: from Poway. I was born here in San Diego. but We actually moved to Texas when I was like three months old. So I lived in Houston until I was seven. My I come from a volleyball family. So my mom um, played and then became a coach. My dad played a little bit um, and I have an older brother. And so when I was born, basically, I was brought into a gym uh, and told to entertain myself. While my mom was coaching, you know, she would bring uh, my brother and, and me to to the gym with her and, oh, I'm gonna just move. You know, apparently there's gonna be noise outside my window. Um, and so she would bring us to the gym with her and you know, my dad was working or whatever. And so we'd have to entertain ourselves for a couple hours and we didn't bring like toys or anything with us. It was like, here's a ball, Let's go play. <laughs> um, so that's, that's like some of my earliest memories are just being in a gym and, uh, you know, learning how to pass myself or passing up against the wall or whatever it was.
1: Was that mostly in club gyms or was your mom coaching at different places?
2: Yeah, she coached, uh, she ran a club in Texas. Um, it was called West side. It, it basically was one that became Texas tornadoes. Um, and so coached like all the way till, till my brother and I kind of got old enough to start playing. And then she took a little bit of time off. So you could watch us. Uh never coached me like on an official team, um, but kind of taught us the
0: basics from a really young age. How how old were you when you started playing club volleyball?
2: Ten. I played on my first club team in fifth grade. And I wasn't like, I don't I think they were just my parents were letting me go to tryout. I wanted to play volleyball forever. And finally they let me go to tryouts, but it was supposed to just be like experience tryouts so next year you can you can play. <laughs> and then you know, since I'd actually been playing, like, there's not a lot of twelve-year-olds who know how to play volleyball, um, so they put me on a team, and I'm <laughs> like, <should> start, <laughs> and uh, and it was like I was obsessed. It was my favorite thing.
0: I wonder, Jackson, how many coaches' kids have we had on?
1: A, a good number. <laughs> I think we're on a trend here. Yeah, for sure. We're yeah. like.
0: Our guests have this tendency of saying, like, yeah, you know, like my mom, she just took me to the gym and said, there's a wall, <laughs> figure it out.
2: Exactly. I mean, gym rats turn into volley nerds to turn yeah. into decent players.
0: <laughs> 100%. 100%. I, it totally, like, now just hearing that small snippet, it totally makes sense in like who you are as a volleyball player as you get older, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: 100%. So then, from my brief research aka Jason Mansfield he told me that you had like an unfortunate incident that happened with your leg when you were younger
2: yes um so right before first of all I love Jason Mansfield um he's amazing <laughs> uh so right before I started playing club I was nine and I essentially like woke up one morning and couldn't walk um I have I have like an nerve disorder in my leg um, which we didn't know at the time so I just woke up and was in pain and like nobody knew why and so um, got, you know got a pair of crutches started going to the doctors to try to figure out why there was this kind of like shooting pain going up my shin and just nobody could figure it out so I, I ended up being on crutches for um, probably just over six months and they kept trying like new treatments and they eventually diagnosed me with um, with this nerve disorder. That they were like, there's no cure for this, but here's a bunch of treatments we can try. None of which worked. Um, so essentially, they were like, you're probably not going to be able to walk again in your life. Oh my God. Um, which, like, how do you, as an adult, I think that would be difficult for me to comprehend. But you know, as a nine-year-old, it's like, how do you even begin to think about that? And so. I I denied it um, and was like, no, this is, that's not what my life's gonna be like. Um, so I decided that I was gonna start walking again. Did not plan it out, was not like, hey, let's work my fi- with my physical therapist to like progress up to it. My entire mm-hmm. plan was, I'm just not, like, gonna not bring my crutches to school on the last day.
0: I mean, you last were nine day. years old, so that makes sense.
2: Yeah, tons of plans, super <laughs> smart. Um, so, uh, so I went to my last day of fourth grade, without crutches, uh, kind of hobbled around the day, but it was it was like the first time I put my foot on the ground in, in half a year. And so I kept going to physical therapy, kind of relearned how to walk. The problem was I didn't actually get better. Like the pain was still there and then getting worse because I was walking on it, But, um, but I was moving again. And in my mind, I was like, listen, if I can walk, I can play volleyball. Cause I've been waiting for this for a long time. 100%. And so it was probably only, you know, four or five months later that I'm at tryouts for my first team. And, you know, 12 under volleyball is like not the most athletic endeavor, Uh, but still, you know, uh, it was was a a big jump up. Um, So that kind of continued to be a problem throughout my career because I just kept playing and kept going to higher and higher levels, but there was never actually like a medical solution the fact that it hurt uh and you know the physical it got the the more it hurt so that was kind of just this ongoing sort of thing i had to wrestle with as i went through high school and in college and national team and all that
0: and it i'm suspecting it still hurts does it still hurt right now as we speak
2: It it still hurts as we speak this is 21 years later
0: wow you're a trooper Yes, yeah, You must really love volleyball.
2: I, I do. I do really love volleyball.
0: So then after, so you're 10 years old. How'd your first season go? Do you remember?
2: Yeah, you know, I do. I I remember, like, I loved practice um, and playing. I was super into it. You know, we'd go on water breaks, and I was the kid, like, still out there, like, trying to get my coach to play one-on-one or something, short court. Um like, it was so fun to just finally be the one out in on the court. I would spent my whole, you know, 10 years up to that being the one on the sidelines, like trying to get out to play with my mom's teams. And finally, it was my turn. I, I also remember the rest of the girls, like not being at that level. <laughs> um, they were very much like, let's get matching bows and socks and, you know, <laughs> che- like, plan our cheers out. And I was a very serious uh, athlete. And um, so it was a little bit of a mismatch. My uh, <laughs> like, second year, I think I got with, it was some of the same girls, but I, I got with some more that you know, really, really wanted to play. And a uh, you know a bit of a tougher coach and all that. And so I think the second year was better than the first one. Um, but still, like, in terms of the volleyball, was just super excited to get to go out and, like, play for real.
0: Were you, so I have a question for you and like, from a coaching perspective, I'm curious. Do you remember if like, did everybody have a position even at that young of an age, or was it just like, we're bumping to two, you're setting to the middle, and you hit it if you can?
2: Totally, we played uh, what I would call a six-six. So everybody (laughs) rotates around and right front sets. Um, Yeah, so everybody played everything. My next year, when I went up to like thirteens, we we started having positions, but yeah, that first year, everybody did everything, which I think is fantastic. Um, You never know, you know, what kids are going to end up being. Like I was always, you know, my first few years, the smallest, one of the smallest ones in the team um, and and grew later. And so like having those kind of fundamentals early on, I think was huge.
0: Did you... So when you were, so you played U13 and you were 12 or were you 11?
2: Yeah, I was, I was 11 turning 12. So I was playing one year up.
0: Okay. Did you, did they give you a position or were you still positionless and technically, like technically you had a position, but it was like, we're going to like cast Rome.
2: I, at that age was mostly like a DS setter. Again, I was pretty small, which I think it helped me a ton as I got older because I started out small, so they were like, okay, pass and set. Like, probably don't let her hit too much. You know, like I learned how, but I wasn't a big banger on those teams. Um, so, so I think then it was I was like the ball control kind of player in whatever position that was going to be. And that was at least until I was, you know, 14 and 15 when I started growing a little bit and, um, and being able to hit more.
0: What club did you play for?
2: San Diego Volleyball Club.
1: Okay. That's your mom's club, right?
2: Yeah. She just retired actually, but she's been running oh. it. She didn't she, she didn't run at the time when we started there. Um, but probably like halfway through my career, she started she started working for the club.
1: She just retired, man. Congratulations right to her. Great timing. Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. <laughs>
1: Great timing.
0: Exactly. So then oh man your career is like it's so Completely. wild it's so wild because it's so fluid and yeah. like you did so many different things you just did what you were asked you're like okay I'm just gonna do my best to be exceptional at this did you recognize you were gonna have to do that at like a pretty early age or is that something that happened in college
2: it, I mean it was something I did in an early age I, I think I probably would have guessed that it would have gotten more stable as I as I got into college, and it didn't, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I started out small, grew a little bit, so I, I was a, a setter kind of who was hitting for a while, um, and really what ended up determining a lot of it was just that every team needs passers,
1: yeah. and so
2: I ended up hitting on a lot of teams as I got older and, and taller, um, because they needed me to pass uh, and and hit, and so, but in, but in my mind, like I always knew that at the next level, I wasn't gonna be that tall. You know, I'm six feet, which in high school volleyball is pretty tall and in D1 college volleyball, not super tall. Yeah. Um, so so there were a lot of people who were like, you're not gonna be big enough to hit the next level. Um, and then there were other people who were like, you're not gonna be experienced enough to set at the next level because you've been hitting this all the time. And I was like, cool. Um, so I just kind of kept doing both and making sure that I was still getting the reps setting and passing all of that, knowing that I probably wasn't going to be the most physical um, wherever I got to next. And so when I started getting recruited, it was a little bit all over the place. Um, you know, I my, probably, I ended up, my top three schools were Stanford, Minnesota, and Washington. And Washington wanted me to be a 5-1 setter. Minnesota wanted me to be a 6-2 setter hitter, and Sanford was literally like, we don't really know what we're going to do with you, but you can come. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was, I mean, John, you know, legitimately told me, he's like, I don't know exactly what you're going to do, but we think, you know, you're a good volleyball player, and we'll give you a scholarship. So I picked that one. Um, and
0: Challenge accepted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and was like, well, I'll either find a way on the court or I don't, but um, I'm going to see how good I can be, and so yeah, my my freshman year I started out as mostly a DS. Um but I, but I always think I joked like my name freshman year was someone cuz they'd be like, "Hey, some someone needs to be be left front right now." And I'd be like, "Okay." And they'd be like, "Oh, someone needs to um like set on the B side." I'm like, "Okay, like someone needs to do." And it, was, it was just me. Um and like one one match, I always remember one match I played we were, you know, it was preseason, we were playing a weaker team, and I played only back row the first set as a DS. I played only front row the second set,
1: and then I played all the way around in the
2: third set, and I was like, (laughs) this is the weirdest, Um, but yeah, I mean, basically at the end of each season, when most people were having their kind of season debrief meetings, one-on-one with coaches, mine was usually like, okay, so next year, like, you're gonna have to get better at this, like, okay. Sounds good.
1: Was that ever frustrating for you? Like, just not knowing what to look forward to and kind of where you're going to be at on the court?
2: You know, the the only time it really was, I, so my first year as a DS, and then I became a setter, and I was, I'm confident the least experienced setter in the history of the final four. Uh, I, I had set a 6-2 for the first half of the season and then set a 5-1, and it was, basically the first time in my life I've ever set a 5-1 and I did it for like a month and a half and then it was all of a sudden in the finals um and after that season I was like I had put in a ton of work to become a, a setter and I was like, okay I did well enough like we got to this point in the season I was like now I want to be the best right I want to be the best setter in the country I can do that
0: yeah.
2: and then I went home for Christmas break and was uh drawing out like lineups, because that's the kind of all I am. It's like, <laughs> what, you know, what, we lost a lot, you know, we lost Luca and Cynthia Barbosa. And So I'm drawing out like what I think potential lineups are. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, crap. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have to <laughs> um, And so that was the one time where I was like, man, thought I could be really good at this, but it just wasn't going to work. You know, I could see that like literally on paper. And so I, I had to move to the outside. And, and the only other thing I think was frustrating was sometimes like I was doing so many things that you just, there's not enough time in practice to to practice all of them at the level that I would want to. So, you know, if I'm practicing, if I'm hitting, then I'm like, man, I'm not, you know, setting enough. And if I'm setting, I'm not hitting enough. And when I'm going to get my passing reps in. And so there was some of that where I was like, okay, I got to come in, you know, in the morning for half an hour and pass because I know I'm not going to get enough of that. Later on in practice, and there's a little bit of that.
1: Did you find defense frustrating at all with like switching positions on the court with right, middle, and left?
2: Not really. Um, I love playing defense. First of all, I mean, right backs the worst uh, for sure. But um, you know, I, I remember on the national team one time I was talking to Mike Hebert, um, You know, great legend of a, of a coach, and he was with us on, on a trip, and he, he, we were talking about, you know, whether the libero should play middle or left against a certain team. We hadn't practiced libero middle back. And he's like, shouldn't, he's like, if we were just on a playground right now, we would just put the person there who should dig the ball. Right. And like, nobody would worry about it. And I kind of, I think that's, I was just used to that of like, go where you need to go and play the ball. Um, So I never really thought about it as, you know, I need to play this position or be in this spot on the court. Just like, do where you need to be, see what you need to see, and then go.
0: Do you feel like that's something that's missing in today's game with all the specialization that's happening?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, it's always been confusing to me because I've always thought about volleyball as this, as this whole thing. Like You can't um, compartmentalize or separate pieces of it. If, you, if I'm passing, then understanding what the setter's job is helps me be a better passer and the same if I'm hitting or whatever. And so the people who, you know, genuinely only know how to do what they do, it's always, it's always confused me a little bit. Or people like in rotations who only know exactly where they're supposed to stand in that rotation. So crazy. And don't don't know how, I mean, and it's, and it's not their fault. It's the fault of, you know, coaches who are teaching them, but it's just, it's never made any sense to me that you can, split these things up. And so, yeah. I mean, I th- think <laughs> the way that we take 10, 11 and 12 year olds now and go, okay, you're gonna be a middle blocker and this is what you do. Um, it it doesn't leave a lot of room for them to learn, but also like to become a kind of creative and fluid player out on the court sure. and be able to use those skills in, in different situations. I was actually watching, um, I was at a tournament like a year or so ago and this play kept happening over and over again. And I saw it like three or four times in one day where there would be um, a free ball. Somebody would be free balling the ball over the net. And it would go like just over the net. And...
0: You think somebody the, would hit it by the end of the day?
2: The block on the other side would like back up and pass it.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what do you... Why would you hit it? Like hit it back in their faces. Yeah. Because nobody ever told them like you can hit a free ball right? Yeah. And so they've only been taught things in sequence, like, okay, you know, if somebody overpasses, you can hit it. But if somebody free balls it over on third contact, yeah. then you pass it. For sure. And so I think, I think there's something missing in the way that we teach things to go, okay, I have this set of skills and tools and whatever the situation is, like, I'm going to figure out what the best one is to use, as opposed to they told me to do this and then this and then this.
1: Okay, if you're the volleyball czar for the whole world, at what age do you think we should specialize, like, even just positions? Big question.
2: Uh, I mean, but for sure by 14s, I think you have to have some of it. I I just wish that we did a better job of – teach, at least teaching all the skills, Um, like at least teaching everybody how to pass. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like if you, the the way that we take people are like, oh, you know, you are a middle or an opposite and so you're not gonna pass anything. Like they're, they don't grow. And all of a sudden they, you know, they can't play anymore. And so, and it's kind of the opposite with the little ones who, you know, they're out there passing and playing outside and they're never gonna grow. And so it's just, you know, I think learning the fundamentals of all skills at young ages is the most important thing. And then letting them kind of play freely. um, And at some point you have to put them in six on six and and give them a position, but let them at least play, you know, more than one.
0: Mansfield and I actually talked about that on the last podcast. We were discussing because me, when it comes to setters, I don't think some setters are great off one foot. Some setters are great off two feet and like, and everybody has their own style because like their biomechanics are just different. Like everybody's just built different and like their touches are just different. And there's all these things that people can and can't do based on just who they are and their personality and the way they perceive life in and of itself. And I was like, then just, so I was saying for setters and he was saying for attackers, just give them an arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have an arsenal, then at least they can choose what weapon they want to pull. But if you give them, like, one tool, then it's over. That's all they have is they're just one-dimensional. And you see a lot – I mean, a lot of kids, um, they're opposites in their whole club career. And then all of a sudden, like, they can't kill a ball out of position one. And somebody's like, okay, now you're going to have to be a middle and it's like, man, if you would have just learned how to block out of the middle when you were like 15, it would have been a lot easier.
2: Yeah. And more fun. I mean, it's just like, that's, to me, that's the art of the game is right having that freedom to go, okay. You know, even, even if I play now, it's just like, it's so fun to go, okay, I have all of these things at my disposal and I just get to choose one. Um, it's way more fun than like, let me get set exactly the way they taught me to do it and um, do it properly and there's room for discipline and and technique and all of that for sure but but I think that that is the thing to then build upon and go okay now I get to create what I want out on the court
0: how did that mentality fit in with USA volleyball because it's it feels like USA especially with centers well centers and receivers actually it feels like it's like It's kind of one way, like it's my way or the highway. No, I don't want to throw Karchin into the bus. Karchin is obviously pretty good. He knows what he's doing. But I see, and this is for a lot of coaches, it's like, hey, you're a good setter, but I think you can be better if you set the way that I'm telling you how to set or if you pass the way that I'm telling you how to pass. Did you ever like headbutt with people of like, yeah, I mean, that's a good idea, but it's kind of just who I am.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I liked about Karcher was that he was always open for the discussion, you know, for me at least, is is I felt like I could always say, hey, you know, I, I think this could work better or, and, and we might just talk it out and I might be wrong. Um, but there were definitely times, like, I remember in two times in particular, one, um, they wanted to change my toss a little bit on my serve and like not a ton. It was like, I am a little, I like flow a little bit more in my serve and kind of, bring the ball from left to right a little
0: yeah. just
2: because that is the natural way that I do it. Um, and one of our coaches wanted me to, you know, be a little bit more rigid and like toss it straight up because yeah. that would be a more consistent toss. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll try it. <laughs> so I tried it and like, it was not working for me. Um, I just felt like super stiff and, and coach essentially like, Hey, try it for a few days. If you still don't like it, you know, let's talk about it. I did not like it. Um, and I also felt like the it was it was using technique for technique's sake as opposed to using technique for the result that we wanted. Like yeah. they wanted me to have a consistent toss. And my toss was already consistent. It was just not, you know, tech it didn't the process of it was not textbook. And so I kind of expressed that and he was like, Okay, you know, go back to your toss. It's fine. Sweet. Um, so that was one of them. And then the other one was we were working on our passing seams, you know, which who's going to go deep and, and short and the seam in passing. And I'm here starting at Pan Am Cup on the outside. I haven't been a six rotation outside hitter since high school, but whatever. And so then I'm, so then I play in this tournament. We win a gold medal. Um, and the next summer when 2013 starts and it's a whole new quad and there's a whole new people coming in, all of a sudden, like I'm a veteran because I've, I've been, um, in the gym. And so I kind of like snuck my way in and never really had a true tryout in the national team. But like, because I could just be that whoever kind of player, it was like that summer they just needed, like specifically needed me <laughs> to be there, to be, to be whatever it was. Um, so, so yeah, I think the first time I came into the gym, it was just like, go out and play and don't do anything dumb. And it then you'll be cool. Like if you can just kinda of get into the gym, keep your head down and like do your work. I think I think, you know, the Lindsay Berg and Logan Tom and Daniel Scott and like the veterans who were all there were just like, okay, like just let that kid like she just does she just does what she does. Like I don't need anybody to take notice. I just need to like work it out and and then I just ended up staying.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You- do you look back and like wish you would have specialized in a, like one position more so, or do you kind of like how your journey panned out?
2: It's hard to say. I mean, I think it would have been cool to see what I would have become had I, had I specialized in one thing, at least, you know, starting in college, you know, how good of a setter would I have been? How good of an outside hitter would I have been? Um, but at the same time, you know, part of the reason that I stayed in the gym was because I could do all of those things um, for, the, for the national team. And so who knows, like, who knows if I would have been a good enough, you know, just there to be there um, or just outside to be there. But, you know, especially in that first year, it was like, I, I had to be able to do all of those things. And um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like trade it in, but, you know, alternate universe, it'd be nice to see what I would have become.
1: Yeah. Just a little time heist for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I have a
0: question for you going back to college. Yeah. I, Jay told me that you, Gabby, and Alex were by far the hardest working class he's ever coached. Mm. Is, there, is there a reason for that? Like, was it just all of you guys were just that driven to be great from the beginning? Or is there a lot of pressure coming in of like, all right, we have a really good team now. We got to go.
2: You know, I think it was i think it was a few things I mean part of it was just we were all very competitive um, in different ways, but um but we all but we all were and so that I think drove us from the very beginning we got on campus and we were like, "We are here to play volleyball and be great um, and we want to and we want to just keep getting better at that and so <laughs> I think individually we each kind of had that drive and then obviously collectively helped push each other um, and then, you know, our sophomore year after we were losing, you know, those really great players, I, I think there was probably more, not like a burden on us, but there's more weight on us to, to then step up and, and be the ones carrying it. And we'd had a team that had gone to the finals twice. We really, really wanted to win. Um, so our next couple of years were about like how, how far can we push ourselves and in this, in this team? now that we're the leaders, uh, to, to be that, that level that we want to be at, um, and get back to that, that place, and so I think it was (laughs) a little bit of a combination of things, um, but what it boiled down to is, like, we just really wanted to be great volleyball players, and had Gabby less so, I mean, Gabby's just, like, all heart, like, she will run through a wall for you, you know, um, so then she just had that in and of herself, and then, and then Alex, wanted to be great even beyond stanford you know wanted to be um wanted to go to the olympics and and become an, an exceptional volleyball player which she has um and i probably had a little bit of a mix of both of those things
0: i have a personal question for you i remember like for me when that burden i mean when that responsibility was passed on to me like it's essentially the same way like my Junior year going forward, and we didn't win a ring. Did you guys feel like failures? Um, I know. I, I mean, I remember I was just like, I was devastated.
2: Yeah, we were devastated too. I, I don't know, like, failure is, a, failure is a hard word. Um, like, we worked so hard and. You know, I still think our senior year we were we were good enough to to be there and, and potentially win. Um, like I think we probably should have had two championships my freshman year and my senior year, and we didn't. And and it's also hard being in a place like Stanford where the the only goal is to win that last match of the season. You know, not the only goal. I shouldn't say that, but you know, I, I knew. I had friends at other teams who they went to the final four and like got a ring or they won their conference and got a ring. And at Sanford, it's like championship or nothing. Right. Um, Not that we didn't celebrate the other accomplishments we had, but, but it's that kind of standard of excellence that is set. Not even, I mean, in volleyball and just in the whole athletic department. And so (laughs) there was a little bit of a feeling of that where you're like, we didn't, we didn't achieve what we wanted to and you know just every time we lost the end of the season it was just like heartbreak um and particularly the last one because I think we, we were so focused we did everything right and it just didn't work out um in the in the last match and so that was really hard and, and leaving Stanford you're like how I still don't I didn't get to do what I wanted to do when I came here and even having gone back and coach like I did when I rang, when I went back and coached yeah. and like it's not It's
0: not the same thing at all. Damn it. Is it hard? Was it hard moving forward? Like you're a 21, 22, 23 year old kid and you did everything you could and you felt like you did everything right and it didn't work. Was it hard to like go on with the rest of your life or move forward and be like, all right, I'm still going to keep giving it my all and hopefully next time it'll work out for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I remember about the end of that last season was like, you know, before I was going on the national team, before I had signed with a club and all of that, it was like, man, what now, right? Like, what do you put yourself into? <laughs> you just kind of keep going to work out, and um, so it's a weird kind of transition. But but no, I mean, I I remember having a coach when I was like fourteen, and my my team didn't do very well at the end at the like whatever nationals we went to. And my coach from the year before I saw her and I was really upset about it. We had, we had finished like way worse than we were supposed to. And she's like, Hey, you can be upset about this and that's okay. But all you can really do is like figure out what you're going to do better the next time. And so, you know, I, I always remembered that. And, and it's hard in that last one because you don't get to go back for another season in college and so it's hard to take that and go okay you know am I going to learn from this and then go on to the next thing but but even though we lost I was so proud of you know what we had done the work that we had put in and and just what we had done from the program when we got to Stanford there were a lot of just kind of issues and sort of the team dynamic and we had put a lot of work in in that realm too to go okay what do we want this program to look like you know how do we want the work ethic to be how do we want you know everybody to treat each other how do we want the communication be like between us and the coaches and i felt like it you know significantly improved in our time there and so we were leaving it in a better place than we found it and so as depressed as i was you know going to the all-american banquet and all of those things like i genuinely felt like we had done right by that program even if we didn't get the ring at the end
1: that's awesome yeah well said well said thank you
0: I felt robbed and cheated, so a lot more positive than I was. Than that. You're yeah, sure. I mean, You're and then baby. like
2: I, I haven't thought about it before, but like you know, five years later, I got cut from the Olympic team, which is this, which is like worse because that was an actual end, right? But it's yeah. the same thing of like, man, I did what I could, and here You're
0: we funny. are. It's. I actually find it it's been significantly easier as I've gotten older to rationalize it in my mind of like, I did everything I could and I just wasn't good enough, but at least I can live with that decision or like I can live with that moment. Whereas, yeah, when I was younger, I was just like, this is, this is bullshit, whatever, you know, But when you're older, I was like, like when I got cut from the national team, I was like, I gave it my all. What more can I do?
2: Yeah. And those were Peace. honestly like those, were, those were the goals that I set. I remember, you know, and John and I've talked about this. My, I think it was my freshman spring. Um, we were waiting for a, a practice or something and he sat down with me and he was like, Hey, uh, do you feel like we did everything we could last year to get better? Like, every day in practice. And I was like, I mean, probably, probably not. Like there was probably a day that we could have, you know, worked harder. We could have done more, whatever, could have been more focused. And he's like, wouldn't that be a great goal if we just came in here every day and tried to get better? And I was like, yes. And I'm transitioning to be a setter and like tons of pressure because we basically only graduated our setter and we made it the national championship. So like if we didn't, it was kind of on me. Um, <clears throat> so, so that I really took that to heart and every day was like, Hey, I'm going to come in here and and this is probably part of what Jay was talking about. Like I'm going to come in here and do everything I can to get better today. Yeah. And I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it the next day, which is exhausting by the end of the season. But it was the same thing when I got the national team where I looked at, I think it was, you know, August 6th, 2016 when we're going to take off for the Olympics, whoever's going. And I was like, I'm going to be the best volleyball player I can be by that day. And if I don't get to go to the Olympics, it's because I didn't fit into that puzzle that coach ended up sending. Um, but I'm going to know that I did everything I could. And if I do get to go, then I'm going to know I'm, you know, the best that I can be to contribute to whatever our team does there. And so, you know, after getting cut, it was like, well, I achieved that and I can live with that. Right. If I couldn't have lived with it, if I hadn't done that, I think it would have been really like damaging, but I was like, this is, I gave what I could.
0: Do you, if you don't mind, it's pretty personal, but I asked Jay, I was like, how do you talk to your seniors or kids when it's the end of the season? Like, what do you say? How, do you remember how Karch approached your meeting when he cut you from the Olympic team?
2: Yeah, I mean, so first of all, we did, and this was a choice I think made by our leadership early in the quad we did rosters by email so i got an email first so i knew what was coming so i knew that i had been cut um and so the meeting was essentially just about like you know do you have any questions and it wasn't mandatory he was like if you want to meet and um so yeah so i i don't even remember exactly what he said but i think it was just along the lines of like thank you you know your contributions that you've made. The other thing was, <laughs> they had had, um, and this was probably the hardest, the hardest thing I had to do. So, the team was going to Grand Prix, yeah. and you know there were still probably sixteen people maybe left, and, and not all those people can travel, and so there are a couple of people who had to stay and train who were still potentially going to go to the Olympics. Yeah, and he was like, listen. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to Grand Prix and we're trying to get people in here to train so that those people can continue getting better. And they had some college kids coming in um, and he was like, you don't have like 100% no pressure. You know, this won't affect you if you want to potentially come back in the next quad or whatever, but like, if you would like to come back and train with them, um, we would, you know, we'd love to have you essentially. And I didn't answer him in that meeting because I was crying and also was just like, I want this to be over. Yeah. Um, like knew already in my head, I was like, God, I'm going to do this. And I'm like a little bit angry at myself that I'm going to do this, but I have to because you know, we are like team slogan or whatever m- mantra for that quad was like, we're all in. And for me, I was like, I said I was all in. And that means I'm all in for the duration that it helps this team, not for the duration that it helps me like that was what I committed to. And um, if there are people who still are going to benefit from me being here for a couple, it was like two weeks that I would come back and train knowing that I was not going anywhere. I was like, I I need to do that. And so I told him I'd come back uh, and I did, and it was rough. Um, But but also, you know, a, a kind of a good way to say goodbye. Cause I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to come in here and play some volleyball. Marv was there, which is fantastic. There you go. Um, and, uh, and there were all these younger players there who were just being introduced the first time for the national, to the national team gym. And when I started out, I was like, I don't want to be the one to have to like, t- you know, teach them. And like, I, I'm dealing with my own stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
2: But but so were the people who were going to the Olympic team and they had their own stuff to deal, deal with. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to be the one that like that that does this, that steps up and, and helps them learn what this what this gym is about. And so that was that was the difficult part, I think. But but that's what I remember about that meeting was Coach went, okay. If you if you feel like you can come back and do this, then then we want you back. And Coach and I still have a good relationship. Like we're fine, I understand decisions that he made but um but yeah it was it was like a while before I could like see him and then have a just general conversation again
0: (laughs) did that two weeks help you like looking back did it end up helping you cope with the decision a little bit easier
2: I think what it did was I made a really conscious decision where I was like I don't know I didn't know at that point if I was going to go keep playing I knew that I probably wasn't going to come back to the national team I thought I might take one more season overseas, but I didn't know. So for me, it was like, I, this these might be my last volleyball practices as a player. And so, you know, I have spent however, 15, 20 years loving this game. Um, now I'm just going to go appreciate that. Like I'm just going to take these moments and not worry about what I'm working on and not worry about any of these things, but just go out and play because that's, that's why I fell in love with the game and that's, how I want to go out, um, and so I think once I kind of shifted to that mindset, it helped me a lot to just be like, I'm going to appreciate these moments because I don't know if I'm going and to, and I ended up not playing that club season um, and I going back and coaching at Stanford, so it was, you know, technically my last official days as a player.
0: Pretty nice gig right after, just walk into a ring, not bad.
2: I, you know, what's funny is like, <laughs> basically, and like John would say this, like, I basically told him no, um, I had really? no, I had no plan, which is like, it's going to piss off so many college coaches who would give an arm and a like for that job, but, um, I apologize. He called me, I had told him that I got cut and <laughs> he called me like, and I knew he was looking for a coach and we had talked about it, but we had talked about it like for other people, <laughs> um you know what what it meant that Jay was leaving that job and what I felt like he brought to it that, that John needed to think about for the next person and so he called me like I don't know a week or so after I got cut and he goes I I want you to do this and I was like honestly I don't think that's what I want I know I don't think I want to be a college which which shocked many people um, who I, who I knew when I had turned down other coaching jobs and um, I said, but just because it's Stanford and just because it's you, like, I'll think about it. And so a few, like three days later, I call him back and I go like flip to 180 and was like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, you know, essentially because I, I the, the reason I had told him probably not was because I, I knew that I didn't think I wanted to be a college coach long-term and I didn't want to like go for a season and then bail and, you know, he's right back in that spot. And he said, he said it was fine. Um, and so I, and I didn't know what I want to do next. And so I was like, well, Palo Alto is a pretty good place to go figure that out. <laughs> like one place where I already know that I love the people. I already know I love the program. Um, I do like, I do love coaching. It's just, you know, I didn't think it was my next like long-term career path. And it's a good place to figure out if I'm wrong about that and if I do want to coach. And so I called him back and told him I'd do it. And then, yeah, walked into this incredible team and we go and we win national championship. And then I'm like, cool, I'm good.
1: <laughs> so your, your college coaching career is a hundred percent of seasons coach and national championships.
2: Yeah. Like who else is ever going to have that stat? I feel like, that one should be written down somewhere.
1: You're a trailblazer, batting,
2: batting a thousand.
0: <laughs> was it? How fun was that team to coach? Like, was it like a very, like, were they just great learners, great people? The whole nine yards.
2: They're so fun. They're so fun. I love those kids so much. They, um, and I mean, people always forget because we ended up winning. We were bad in the beginning. Like, for a Stanford team, we were not good. We lost to teams that I had never lost to in my whole career. And, and I love you know, I loved the, the kids from the start. They were awesome. But, man, like, a month or so in, John goes, hey, um, you know, how, how do you feel about this? Like, how is coaching going? And I was like, John, honestly, during matches, most of the time, I'm just annoyed. Like, I'm just – I know that they're good. And yet, on any given night, There's at least like two of them who are an absolute train wreck and you never know which two. Like we were the most consistent group of kids. Um, and part of it was, you know, we were so young. We were starting four freshmen. We didn't have a single person in a starting position who was in that position the year before. You know, we had Inky who had been out. Yeah. We had Maria who had been a middle, who had been switched to opposite. Ivana, who had been a middle school, just outside, and then everybody else was, you know, brand new, and yeah, it took them a while to figure it out, but, but they were always, they were always fun to coach, they were always fun to be around, and really genuinely um, great learners, and my, fa- one of my favorite parts about that team, like, everybody gives all the kudos to, you know, Inky, Inky and Inkets, as they were called at this time, um, <laughs> and, and that class of, you know, Jenna and Morgan and and Plummer and Fitz and but our bench was fantastic and they were and I've always said this you know one of the biggest reasons I I thought we won but they they came in every single day like ready to work ready to learn ready to push the the a side every single day in scrimmages and we're just like so high energy and I you know genuinely feel like that was what prepared us (coughs) for the end of the season was them coming in and doing that every day. And then being like over the top on the bench in matches, just um, like setting setting the energy level. Even, like I'll, I'll never forget when we were in Wisconsin um, for the Elite Eight and, you know, in a packed Wisconsin gym with, we had, you know, 10 fans or whatever it was. And we were down 0-2 and came back. And in, in that packed place, like it's still here, our bench. Like it, it felt like we had... People there supporting us Um, and so yeah I mean top to bottom that roster was just really really cool Um, and you know ended up being some fantastic volleyball players.
0: (laughs) That is so that's so special to hear and like it's really hard when you're a player to recognize you recognize it but sometimes you get such tunnel vision they're like Mm -hmm. all right it's just it's just us six it's just us seven that's gonna have to win this game and then but when they're that present every single day, it's hard to not acknowledge how great of a bench that you have.
2: Totally. And we talked about it all the time and, and did acknowledge it. And they, yeah, I mean, it was just all of them. I mean, and then, like, Morgan Hentz. I mean, what a, like, crazy talent. Um, and, all of, and all of those kids brought their own, like, thing to the table. You know, she, she is, like, the most focused player I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's insane how she is ready on every touch of every moment of every practice. Um, and then Jenna Gray, who's like her best friend, who's the who's just like cruising through like super competitive, but just like, she's just chilling, um, which is such a great like vibe to have sometimes, you know, from your setter to, to be a great leader, but also kind of be so steady. Um, and then the, the story that, al- that always strikes me was Plummer. Um, you know, she started out, people also forget she started out as a right side for us that freshman year. And we switched lineups like six times <laughs> and we had people get hurt. And so she ended up having to play outside. And Inky told me after the season that she was talking to Plummer one day, um, right after she had switched to the, to the outside and she was like up and down, like they all were. Um, And she asked Plummer, you know, how's it going? And Plum goes, nah, not great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, but I'm going to get it. And like had that growth mindset. And honestly, if she hadn't, like that would have been, that was, that was probably the turning point of our season. If she had been like, I can't do this. I can't go being outside. I've never done this before. um, We wouldn't have gotten anywhere. And, but she was like, Nope. Like I'm, I'm going to get it. It's going to take a minute. And obviously she did get it and it worked out. Um, but they they all kind of had a little bit of that where it was like, they, as as messy as the beginning of our season was, they didn't get kind of discouraged by that and kept, kept working with us and kept trying out new lineups. And together we kind of all ended up figuring it out.
0: You ought to be a hell of a confident 18-year-old to say that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good kids.
1: Do you think those characteristics of those kids were, I guess, brought on at Stanford? Like did they learn that at Stanford or were those the kids you recruited from high school, like they had those characteristics coming in?
2: I think mo- I think most of it they had coming in. Um, I think what we helped instill in them was um, – was some some confidence. I think Jenna was always pretty confident, um, but I, but I like we had talks. I, I had talks with Morgan and, and Plummer both about you know just kind of staying the course and, and uh, not getting caught up in whether or not you dug that ball or whether or not you you know got ace. And so there's some of that. And they just needed to learn some resilience. You know, like these are kids who have been the best for their whole lives. Yeah. and all of a sudden you know they're at Stanford they're not winning they're supposed to win uh and they weren't the best and so it took a while and the biggest the biggest thing for me and we talked about it mid-season was there's such a particularly that class it was, There were six people in that class the Keefe twins are in it too, was had so much personality like when you get a class of six and they're like big personality people that can like take over a team right like the way they go the team goes and so yeah. And the class ahead of them was was a huge class too. And so and then you have Inky who like has a personality big enough for a whole team in and of herself. So so there was all of that going on. they're so fun to be around, so fun to talk to, you know, just off the court and in airports and all of that. And I remember stopping them at one point in the season and being like, I just you guys go out on the court to play matches, and I and I can't feel any of you. Like it all just kind of like like goes small and and you're so, like that's not how you are as people like when I play you can see who I am on the court you know
0: yeah.
2: and and to me that's you know part of what being an athlete is, is is letting that kind of come through and they and they weren't and so they that was the biggest thing to me that they figured out as we went into the tournament where I was like okay like now I can see it like now I can feel who you are out there and they were They were so much better because of it.
0: That is an incredible way of saying it. I've never phrased it that way. I've thought of that for sure as a player, or like you get quiet. Like, two things you do when you get quiet is you're either really tired or you're really nervous. Yeah. That's the only two reasons people ever get quiet. And like for me, I'm for sure a talker. And anytime I get quiet, I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, I'm not tired. So something else must be happening. I must be <laughs> stressed, you know. But I've never thought of it the way that you just put it. That's really, really, really well put. I like that a lot. That's awesome. That's good stuff. <laughs> that is, I'm going to tell my teammates that.
2: I'm here to help, man.
1: I'm re-preaching. <laughs>
2: <laughs> re-preaching. Well,
1: Cass, what are you up to now? So
2: I, a few things, um, so after my retirement from coaching, after one season, <laughs> I, got, I went out into the world, got a job that was not volleyball, I moved to DC for a couple of years, um, and then I moved back to California about a year ago, I started my own nonprofit. Um, so essentially looking at like, how do we make kids into better people, um, and how do we use the sports world to do it, and so like when I look out into the world and see all of the issues that we have, I feel like many of them could be helped if we had some better skills around like, how do I treat somebody else, particularly somebody who's different than me? And then also like, how do I see myself in the world and and kind of my power within it, (laughs) not just as an athlete, but as I go into any industry. Um, And so I feel like those are explicit skills that we can learn just as we learn how to hit a ball but we don't spend a lot of time on the fundamentals um and yet we have all of these kids in masses in our gyms and out on fields and all of that uh who are kind of a captive audience so why don't we help teach them some of those skills and the other thing that we have in sports is the um the elite athletes and coaches who we're all looking up to who we want to get insights from so in combining those two things i was like well, what if we create content that is short enough for coaches to use the beginning of under, or under practice um, or for kids to watch on their own. It's like two to three minutes breaking down some of those skills to, okay, like what are the roots of something like empathy or, or empowerment or self-confidence and how can we learn those fundamentals, um, but learn them through the voice and experience of Steve Kerr um, or Kelsey Plum or uh, Apollo Ono or somebody like that. So we have those kinds of people <clears throat> who are are filming that content for, for me. Um, and I'm going to have some coming out in a few weeks, actually, uh, we were going to be in like full production mode, but then pandemic hit and you can't like be in rooms with people.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so I've been doing it via zoom. Um, but, but yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. And then I'm, um, it's called path. If anybody wants to find it, pathsports.org. Um so, yeah, we want to help create better humans. And then I'm also unretiring for a minute. So yeah, to play.
0: congratulations. <laughs> athletes Unlimited Get so athletes. Awesome. Get out of retirement.
2: I am out of retirement. Like, I don't know what the opposite of a hiatus is, but that's what I'm doing. It's, you know, a six-week season <laughs> starting in February. I, I'm excited about it. It's going to be cool. Um, what position are you playing? So theoretically outside but I genuinely asked them I was like so I could play like a different position each week if that was what was best for the team right and they're like yeah I guess why not um so you never know but but I'm gonna guess that teams are gonna need passing so I think I'm gonna be an outside um but yeah it's a you know 44 players new draft new teams each week um they have the softball league going right now and it's been cool to watch and like just how the point system works and all that. Uh, so it'll be interesting, like a whole new kind of take on pro volleyball.
1: Yeah. I've been following the softball a little bit and I love the structure of it. Like new team each week and it the point structure is really fun to watch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I'm excited to see what they do with it. And it's all, I mean, another reason that I signed on to do it and agreed was, you know, they're very much like a player led organization and they want to help um you know players with whatever they want to do off the court and so and they're also you know legitimate people backing it and so they have a great network and um so they're hopefully gonna help me with some of the stuff that I want to do and they're they have like a double bottom line or whatever so they um as, as they pay us some of our bonuses go to whatever nonprofit we want to support and they have a kind of like civic leadership engagement so it's just good people trying to um promote volleyball and women's sports in the U S and give people some opportunities. So we'll see how it goes, but I think it's gonna be cool. All
1: right. and, and circling back to your nonprofit, how can we follow and support?
2: Yeah. Uh, if you go to pathsports.org, um, you can, subs- you can like sign your name up or email up and, and subscribe and then you'll get the, the content. Um, and then once we have it coming out regularly, which is going to be in the next like month or so, um, I think it's just you know figuring out how to use it. Like largely, what we're trying to do is go, hey. I mean, the content is directed at at the kids themselves um, or you know young people. I'd say college age too, um, but developed so that coaches who don't have a lot of time can go, hey, how can I spend ten minutes like once a week or once every two weeks on something that's not, you know, how to hit the ball or how to serve or whatever it is, um, and things that we feel like are going to be valuable within the sports context, but then also able to practice outside of it. And so I think it's a lot of it's, you know, figuring out as coaches, as people who work with kids, you know, how do we best use this? How do we best get these messages to them? Um, And then encourage them to like take those things and, you know, we're going to end every bit of content with like, here are the ways that you can actually practice this, you know, Um, as opposed to the sort of blanket, like, nice to people it's like when you're in practice today you can do this when you're at school tomorrow you can do this right um so you know i think that's what we're trying to do is just spread those messages and those skills as broadly as possible
1: that's awesome you got a supporter here
0: yep you got two of them (laughs) Uh, this is i think everybody's had this idea or concept at some point in time hopefully everybody I don't know with the way the world is working right now, maybe 50% of people, but nobody's ever been able to put it into words or like into a network like you have. And this is so cool that you figured out a way to like put it together.
2: That was was my thing where I was like, all of the pieces are here. Like you have these youth networks of like masses of children. You have like elite athletes and coaches who are good people and want to do good stuff you have hopefully a bunch of youth coaches and parents who like want their kids to be good people and, and good athletes, but also good people. And it's not hard in this day and age, to like get content out into the world. So I'm not going to go out and be like, Hey, let me build my own network. And like, hope everybody comes to me. Like, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Like let me write my PDF that you can all read. Like nobody reads. So, (laughs) So it's like, let's get like short form, like the short bursts and get them out to people. And then I'm gonna send it out through all of the existing sports networks. So, oh. you know, we have a partner like, like Art of Coaching is what you want, right? And so they already have a database of people who theoretically should be interested in this stuff. So rather than wait for everybody to come to me, it's like, how do we build that mechanism and that channel to go, okay, there's a distribution network that already exists. Let's just use it for, for better things. The advertisers are doing it, right? Like, that's how they sell shoes. Like, why don't we use it to, like, sell humanity?
1: Yeah. It's, like, the best prescription possible. Like, if you go to the doctor's office and they prescribe something, it's, like, be a better human. And yeah. this is a way to learn those skills.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Amen. I am and well, Cass. Uh, I think we're good here. Awesome. You were. You're great. We gotta have you on again. I feel like we say this to every guest. We gotta have you on again.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially especially once your nonprofit like kind of evolves and goes down the road, we'd love to hear an update.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. Yeah, subscribe. I just talked to Steve Kerr last week, so we have videos with him coming out and uh, yeah, I, I'll be, I'd be happy to come on again.
0: This is the plug right here. We'll have you on. <laughs> you could promote to all 400 of our followers. <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey, by the next time I'm on, you guys are going to have like 4,000.
0: That's, hey. a, That's a, a positive attitude.
1: I mean, especially if they're hearing things like this.